Hey there, everybody. Just wanted to welcome in all of our listeners to Pad the Stats, our fantasy football podcast where we cover everything fantasy football. If you have any questions following the show, please hit us up at Pad the Stats on Twitter. We're more than happy to help you out with any questions that you might have. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome into today's show, Saturday, June 9th, and I'm your host, James Swanson. We have a lot to get to today. I'm sorry I haven't talked to everybody in about a week and a half now. I've had a lot going on. I'm still trying to get the the website up and running at this point, so you have a place to access all of our, our articles and rankings. I'm hoping to have that out by the beginning of the season. Until then, I still have a lot of podcasts to get out to you while you're preparing for your dynasty drafts, your rookie drafts, your redraft drafts. Um, So I know that's kind of on everybody's mind right now, but uh, just stay patient with us. I I really want to get all that stuff up for you so you can access particularly my rankings, which um, I've been working on a lot as well. So today's show, I'm going to start off with some league news and notes. We have a lot to talk to about there. And then I'm going to get into the rest of our dynasty startup read our, our dynasty startup recap, which I went through rounds one, one through eight in our last two shows. Today, I want to talk about rounds nine through 24. Now, I'm not going to go through every single pick like I did in the last two because I know that's quite a bit and I don't want to give analysis on every single pick. That would take us about six hours to do, I feel like. I just want to kind of give some of my best value picks from those rounds, particularly early not rounds nine and 10 specifically. And then I'll talk about rounds 11 through 15 as a whole. And then some of my late value picks that I liked as well. So let's jump right into today's show. The big news from this week, we know Julian Edelman, four game suspension for PEDs. How does this affect the Patriots offense as a whole? We know that Chris Hogan's probably going to get a little bit of a bump. We know that Jordan Matthews out of the slot definitely gets a bump. But what does this specifically do to... Julian Edelman's value and where should you be having him, you know, how far does he drop in the rankings? I would say in standard, it probably drops him a little bit more. PPR, I wouldn't drop him that far, to be honest with you. I still think even in 12 games or, well, 12 games total, 11 games in fantasy, because unless you're playing in week 17, which probably not many of you are, but in 12 total games, from the time he comes back, assuming he's healthy, I expect his report with Tom Brady not to drop off at all of what it's been in previous seasons. And honestly, we've heard that Edelman's looked really well since he's come back from that knee injury. He's looked good in OTAs. So this news is really concerning, not concerning, but it's it's disappointing because you know you're going to get goose, four goose eggs to start the season. But But just keep in mind, he's still a guy who I think is going to get 700 or 750 yards, you know, in those 12 games, he's definitely a guy who can still catch 75 balls. So 
He definitely has the potential to be a top 30 wide receiver, especially in PPR formats, even in 11 fantasy games. So I would just keep that in mind. Wouldn't drop him too, too far, you know, in PPR formats, but in standard, definitely a little bit farther. Duke Johnson signed a three-year extension worth $15.6 million. So that's good. I expected Duke Johnson to be somebody who could be moving out of Cleveland after possibly next year when his contract is up. Um, I don't expect Carlos Hyde to be there. So look, we know that Jarvis Landry affects Duke Johnson's value a little bit, particularly him lining up at wide receiver as much as he does. But I still think he holds a really big role in that offense. We know that Duke Johnson is very versatile, not terribly, you know, a ton of value from the running back position, but he can really catch the football and he's actually a very good wide receiver with good hands and runs very good routes. So Good news that he gets that extension. It looks like he's going to be in Cleveland for a few more years. David Johnson's OTA injury does not expect to be serious or is not expected to be serious. That's good news. Chris Herndon, who I had talked up a lot as a guy who I think has the inside track to be the giant or the Jets starting tight end this season and had done some really good things up to this point. He was arrested for a DUI last Saturday. So puts a hamper on, on that, um, We'll see what the league does in terms of discipline. But for right now, I would just kind of keep your ears open for any news around Chris Herndon and kind of, you know, what develops more if he's going to be suspended or, or receive some discipline for that, which I would expect he does. Chris, Chris Thompson is expected to be ready for training camp. That's good news, as well as Dalvin Cook, who participated in team drills Tuesday. Knee seems to be fine with him. Uh, D'Angelo Henderson was sidelined with a slight oblique strain. The, the brunny, the, Broncos running back has had a pretty tough off season so far. Um, and he, he's got some competition, you know, in that Denver backfield, which, um, is something I, I definitely want to talk about in later shows as well. There's a lot to, uh, lots to talk about it with that backfield. Carson Wentz has begun set participating in seven on seven drills. So that's good news. Patriots news, uh, Gronk and Brady, as we know, were able to do a 10 mini camp, not like, not any big shock there. They had, both missed OTAs, but we know that um, we we have heard a little bit about the news about Gronk and the trade rumors. But for right now, I wouldn't expect that. But if anything changes, we'll definitely let you know. Kenny Britt suffered a minor hamstring injury on Tuesday. Deshaun Watson is not expected to enter training camp on the pup. Again, good news. Amari Cooper was back at practice after a hamstring injury. Terrell Pryor is expected to be ready for training camp despite a minor foot procedure he seems to be well on his way to be ready before the start of the season. So let's get back into our dynasty recap. Like I mentioned, I'm going to talk about rounds nine and 10 to start, and I'm going to give you a few of the guys that I really liked here. Some of the things that I would have done a little bit differently and overall the value from some of these guys. So the biggest thing that I noticed at the top of round nine, Devonte Parker was third. Calvin Ridley went second and then Sammy Watkins went fifth. Now, this surprises me a little bit because I would have I would have actually rather had Sammy Watkins over both those guys. I know Calvin Ridley has all the talent in the world and definitely could be one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in this class a couple years down the road. But we have to keep in mind that Julio Jones is still the top dog in Atlanta, and he's going to be for probably at least three more seasons. So, look... Calvin Ridley is a great, great talent, but you're probably not going to get the production you want out of a number, a potential number one receiver like he can be. And 
for another three years, I would expect. So look, Sammy Watkins is a guy who's still 24 years old. I know he didn't have the best season last year with the Rams, but I would argue that they did not use him in the best way. He only had 39 catches on 70 targets, um, under 600 yards. But I think he's a guy who certainly has the opportunity to do big things in the Chiefs offense. I know that Travis Kelsey's there. I know that he has some some hurdles to get over in terms of, uh, you know, um, Tyree Kill, in terms of Kareem Hunt. There's a lot of targets to go around. I'm a big, big proponent of, you know, of Pat Mahomes. I think that he's going to be um, extremely successful. I drafted him earlier in this draft. I'm just really excited about him. So I would have taken him both over both those guys. And, and talking about Devontae Parker a little bit, he's a guy that, look, we just haven't seen it yet. I just don't know if Devontae Parker is a good wide receiver. We're still waiting for that breakout. But is it going to happen with Ryan Tannehill? I don't. I don't know, and I would actually lean towards no at this point. So I don't see a reason why you would want to take Devontae or Devontae Parker over Sammy Watkins when we just haven't seen it yet. And again, Sammy Watkins is only 24 years old. He's still a young guy. It doesn't seem like the foot injury, the foot issues ha- are there anymore. He played 16 games last year. So we know that he's still a, a big-time talent, a guy that I believe is still a top-10 receiver talent talent in this league. I don't know if he's going to be a top 10 receiver, but he has the talent to be. Now, can he get back to kind of the form that he had in 2015 with the Bills where he caught 65 balls, had over a thousand yards receiving and nine touchdowns in his second season? I don't know if he can get back to that, but I will say that I think he can catch 60 passes, 65 passes for 900 yards and seven touchdowns. I think I think he can certainly get to those numbers, which are excellent, excellent wide receiver two numbers. So look, I, I, based on everything, all the mouths to feed in Kansas city, I would kind of temper the expectations a little bit because not to say that they were ever really high because people are probably down on Sammy Watkins in the first place. But I think a lot of people also know the talent that he is. But I, again, I still think that he has the opportunity to be a, a very, very good wide receiver too. If you can get him in this spot that Tony got him, the fifth pick of the ninth round, ecstatic. In fact, you know, in a dynasty startup league like the one we're, we're having right now and the one we're talking about, I would say you could probably get him a couple rounds earlier as well. So look, he's, he's probably somebody that um, I would rather have all over all of the rookie wide receivers, including DJ, DJ Moore. And he's certainly somebody that can be a top 30 wide receiver, no question. The other guy that I really liked in these first two rounds, and Dwayne, I know I've been giving you a lot of snuff for just kind of the picks that you made early in this draft, but when you took Kelvin Benjamin um, with the, what, where did you take him? Let me double check here. It was the seventh pick of the 10th round. Really, really like this pick. Um not so much because I'm a huge Calvin Benjamin fan, but I love the value where you got him. Look, he's 27, so he's not really a young guy anymore per se, but he's still young. He's still going to probably give you hopefully another four years of good football. He only had three touchdowns last season. He only topped 70 yards once since he joined the Bills. But the good news is, and, and this is big, and he does not have a lot of competition to go against in Buffalo. Zay Jones is their number two. So, we know that 
look, it's Zay Jones. There's not a whole lot of competition. If you want to talk about Charles Clay, you can talk about Charles Clay, who is a good tight end, but not great. He's serviceable. He's decent. But the targets, for the most part, in the passing game should go to Kelvin Benjamin outside of LaShawn McCoy. But again, if you want to talk about bad things about LaShawn McCoy, he's a 30-year-old running back who's got a lot of work. And we know what happens to running backs when they turn 30. And we know what happens to running backs who turn 30 when they have a track record like LaShawn McCoy, who's had some soft tissue injuries in his past. We know the hamstring's been a little bit of an issue. I wouldn't expect LaShawn McCoy to play more than 13 games a season. I think 13 games is probably a win for LaShawn McCoy. So Kelvin Benjamin, as long as the foot injuries and, and you know he's well recovered from the ACL injury, a few years back, as long as he can stay healthy and stay off, stay away from the injury bug, I think he has all the opportunity in the world to be the Bills' number one wide receiver. Now, can he still separate from defensive backs? Because we haven't seen that. We, we've seen him take a little bit of a step back, and that's part of the reason why he didn't have a game last season with over 70 yards receiving since when he was traded to the Bills. But again, I think he's a guy who can certainly, I would expect him to catch seven or eight touchdown passes. In all honesty, just based on the pecking order in the in the Bills' offense, um, is he going to get back to 2014 when he had a thousand yards? I doubt it. I, I doubt it. I think 800 yards is probably more of a, a realistic expectation at this point, and that's probably you'd be happy with 800 yards, I would think. But the the big thing is, can he? You know, he's six foot five and a half. Can he catch seven or eight touchdowns? I think yes, and I think he'd be extremely happy with that. In terms of where I have him in my rankings, he's just inside my top 50, um, but I'd still rather have guys like James Washington and Anthony Miller over him and, and really all of the top, top-tier top uh, rookie wide receivers as well. Moving on to rounds 11 through 15. So the biggest thing that I noticed when I looked at it rounds 11 through 15 is, wow, a lot of rookies, a ton of rookies. Uh, DJ Moore went 8th overall in the 11th round. Josh Rosen, 11th overall in the 11th round. Josh Allen, second overall in the 12th round. Christian Kirk and Lamar Jackson also went in the 12th round. The 13th round was Baker Mayfield, Anthony Miller, Sam Dartle, Mike Gesicki. And then in the 15th round, we had Michael Gallup and Cortland Sutton. So, as a lot of wide or a lot of rookie position players, quarterbacks as well, and also a lot of wide receivers. But what do we make of all these guys? Did they kind of fall where I thought they should have? I would say that there are some guys who I'd rather have over other guys, particularly if you look at Lamar Jackson, where he went with the ninth pick in the 12th round. I would definitely rather have Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold over him, just because a big part of that is I don't know if I love the fit with the Ravens offense. They like to run a lot of two tight ends. I think he has the chance to supplant Joe Flacco as the starting quarterback, probably soon though they you know they still have a lot of money sunk into Joe Flacco but the fact that he's just been absolutely awful since that 2011 Super Bowl run I mean no way to sugarcoat it Joe Flacco just has not been a good quarterback so they're going to probably call it be calling for Lamar Jackson sooner rather than later if Flacco continues to struggle but again I think the biggest thing is I just don't know how he fits in that offense as a whole, we know what kind of playmaker he is. I don't know what kind of pocket passer he is. And that's what's to be seen. And look, we've seen it from other guys. We've seen it from guys like Colin Kaepernick, who 
when you got to be able to throw from the pocket in this league, you can't just be an athlete. You have to be able to step back three step, five step drops and deliver the football on time and with precision. So we'll see with Lamar Jackson. But again, I would rather have Baker Mayfield. I would rather have Sam Darnold over him. Um, Josh Rosen is probably the guy who I'd like to talk to talk about most in this kind of this grouping here, because look, I believe he's a guy who has a real chance along with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has a very good chance to start for the Jets this season as well. But I think Josh Rosen has the best start, best opportunity to start out of all of these rookie quarterbacks right off the bat. And honestly, he probably is going to start at some point this season because we know Sam Bradford's track record. We know he's injury prone. I don't know if Sam Bradford's ever played a full 16-game season, so I would fully expect, and I am betting on Josh Rosen to be the Arizona Cardinals starting quarterback at some point in the 2018 season. Now, the fact that Steve was able to grab him where he did after he had already drafted Tom Brady and Drew Brees, I love it because you have a guy who's waiting in the wings, but you also have two veteran quarterbacks who are top five quarterbacks right now who are still going to probably play for two to three more years. At least one of them is going to play two to three more years in my expectation. So you have a guy like Josh Rosen, who I believe is one of the two best quarterbacks in this year's draft class, um, who's waiting in the wings and is, is a great, great option in a super flex league moving forward. The biggest question that I have about the Cardinals, though, is, is who is Josh Rosen going to have to throw to after this season? We know that Larry Fitzgerald's probably not going to be there. He's on a one-year deal. Christian Kirk, who they drafted, has an excellent opportunity to be a very good slot receiver, but they don't really have anybody in the outside. John Brown and Jerron Brown both left. J.J. Nelson is not a big physical wide receiver. They did sign Bryce Butler, but it's Bryce Butler. So where could they go? Which leads me to my point. I think that Des Bryant is an excellent landing spot for, or Arizona Cardinals is an excellent landing spot for Des Bryant. I really think that Josh Rosen would benefit big time from a physical receiver like that, who he could have. I would say Des Bryant could play in Arizona or wherever he goes for another two to three seasons and still be productive enough to be a at worst, not at worst, but I would say he could be a back end number two wide receiver for fantasy perspective purposes, maybe even a high end number two, but he could also be even in a couple years down the road, an excellent, excellent flex option. So, Rosen is one of those guys, look, I, I, if you can get him as kind of your top rookie quarterback, I think he has an excellent opportunity to start right away. And the Cardinals are probably going to be looking to draft more wide receivers or pick up wide receivers in the years to come. It's just a matter of kind of where they go and who they get. Um, let's see here. Who else? Anthony Miller was another guy who, look, like I said, DJ. I think DJ Moore has the best oppor- the best chance to have the best opportunity out of all the receivers <coughs> excuse me in you know out of the rookie wide receivers in this class in his first season I think Anthony Miller has the second best chance or the se- the, the the second best situation of any rookie wide receiver going to the Bears so we know that Allen Robinson is now in Chicago I fully expect him to be the X receiver and the number one receiver for Mitch Trubisky, but Anthony Miller has an excellent opportunity to step in as the Z or even in the slot right from the get-go. So 
There are some mouths to feed there. We know that they brought in Trey Burton. They still have Tariq Cohen, who I expect to have even a bigger role in the passing game this season. And they're going to lean on Jordan Howard, even in Mitch Trubisky's second year to run the football a little bit. But I think Anthony Miller has an excellent opportunity, and not just this year. He's he's a guy who's NFL-ready right now. We've heard about his work ethic. And if you can go out and get Anthony Miller, he's definitely one of my, you know, I guess, favorite players in this draft. And he's somebody who could really probably command maybe 70 or 80 targets in his first season. And if he can get that and he can catch 45 of those, I think you're going to be really happy where you got him. Now, I just mentioned DJ Moore. DJ Moore is my favorite wide receiver in this class because of just the the physicality and the speed aspect. He's six foot, 210 pounds. He ran a 4.42 coming out of Maryland. When you watch him on tape, he's physical, he's fast, he's a playmaker. He steps into a good situation. I wouldn't say a great situation, just because I still have my issues with Cam and his accuracy as a as a as a pocket passer. But he has an opportunity to step in right away and play the Z spot and and the slot as well, because Devin Funches is going to be penciled in as the X receiver, but we know that they need help elsewhere. So out of all the guys, I would say he pro- DJ Moore probably has the best situation of all the rookie wide receivers. And look, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I think this is a guy who can definitely catch 50 balls in his rookie season. And I think he's a guy who might be able to give you three or four touchdowns on top of that as well. Now, another one of my favorite picks and, and Probably my vote to have the best season of any fantasy pass catcher this season is Mike Gesicki to the Dolphins. Look, I think that they just don't have a lot else there in the middle of the field. Jarvis Landry went to Cleveland. We know that Ryan Tannehill likes to work the middle of the field. And Mike Gesicki's skill set, I think, works perfectly. There's no other competition at tight end in Miami. He's going to be able to command a lot of red zone targets. I've already given you my take on Devontae Parker. So Mike Kosicki's a guy who, look, Ryan Tannehill should be looking for him and looking for him a lot, especially in the red zone. He's a guy who's who has a very good um, you know, jump ball radius. He can go up and get it. He's got a big frame, and he's also very athletic. Now, I think he ran a little bit better at the combine than what you can expect. He's probably not a 4-5 guy in reality on the football field because he is such a long strider, but... He's still very, very athletic, and I expect him to, again, probably have the best season of any pass catcher in this year's draft. Okay, the other two guys that I had kind of looked at, the back-end wide receivers, not back-end rookie-wise, because I think Cortland Sutton is maybe one of the better talents, but Michael Gallup and, and, and Sutton himself. Now, Gallup went ahead of Sutton in our draft. I think Sutton is actually the better talent, and I would rather have Cortland Sutton over Michael Gallup. But I do believe that Michael Gallup has the best opportunity of those two to step into Dallas right away and have a better opportunity because no more Dez, no more Jason Witten. They only have really Cole Beasley in the slot. There's just not a lot there. Now, from Cortland Sutton's standpoint we know that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are still there but keep in mind he's not they're not going to be there probably after this season so Cortland Sutton has an excellent opportunity to be a long-term excellent option alongside Deshaun Hamilton in Denver assuming that they can that you know they went out and got Case Keenum but assuming that they can have a quarterback for the long term which I'm not sure Case Keenum is, is really really that guy 
Um, but yeah, so those are just, again, like some of the rookies that I, I really liked, um, you know, kind of not really like, but also kind of where I, I see them falling a couple of the guys that I probably would have preferred to have again, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold over Lamar Jackson. Um, but other than that, I thought order wise, pretty good. Okay. Looking at rounds 16 through 24. So the late rounds now, look, this is a place where you should really be looking to stack up on value. Can you get, you know, some good running backs, some good wide receivers, really just completely, you know, stack up on value as much as you can. But also, you know, assuming a lot of people probably have filled their needs by this point, and you got to look at the fact, you know, in a format like our league, you know, you, you have to drop, drop five guys, but it's never a bad problem to have that you have guys, you know, you know, as many top guys as you can, because at the end of the day, there's going to be things that happen in the off season. There's going to be injuries and in OTAs and mini camp in the off season. We know that, right? So stack up on as much talent as you can, particularly at the wide receiver position and the running back position. You got to be able to go out and get value. Now, the other thing is you can get some good quarterbacks in the late rounds too. Guys who are not going to be starting now, but all, but down the road have excellent situations. Guys like Mason Rudolph, Kyle Aletta, who I was able to grab in the 24th round. Mason Rudolph also went in the 24th round of our draft. So those two guys particularly who are not going to be starting right now, but Kyle Aletta could be starting next season and Mason Rudolph could be starting in probably three seasons. I think that both those guys have, you know, excellent opportunities and good offenses with good pieces to be extremely um, productive fantasy quarterbacks. So let's talk about two guys that I really liked value wise in the late rounds. Terrell Pryor being one of them. Now we know that Terrell Pryor did not have a good season last year, you know, pick 20th or he was picked 20th in the 20th round of our draft. He did not play well with the Redskins last season when he was either hurt or he just was not getting, you know, really the opportunity. He just never seemed to fit or gel, you know, in that offense. But we, we know what he did a couple years ago with Cleveland and we're not going to expect Terrell Pryor and I'm not expecting him to ever be, you know, a thousand yard receiver again by any means, but we know he's athletic and we know he can still bring a lot to an offense. So if he can step in, you know, with the Jets and maybe get, I would expect him to get maybe 700 yards receiving, but really he's kind of a guy like Kelvin Benjamin in the sense that you're going to get some, hopefully some touchdown production from Terrell Pryor. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the guy catches 55 passes, 700 yards and six touchdowns. And that's probably about right where I would project him to be. And to get that kind of those kind of numbers out of a 20th round pick, I just thought that that was excellent value. The other guy who it was my maybe my favorite rookie value pick based on where he went, I believe he went in either the 21st or 22nd round, was DJ Chark. Pat ended up picking up Chark that late, which is great. I mean, it, it, you know, this is a guy who's kind of flying under the radar a little bit behind guys like Cortland Sutton. And DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, but make no mistake about it. If you haven't heard about DJ Chark, I mean, tune yourself in. This guy's 6'3, 200 pounds, ran a 436. He's got all, he meets all of the measurables and, and checks all of the boxes from that standpoint. It's just a matter of, I think, being consistent and putting all of that together. The fact that he lands in Jacksonville 
is not the best situation. They still have Marquise Lee. Now, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns are gone, but I, I'm i just not high on Blake Bortles, and I never will be. And until they get somebody who's a little bit more consistent throwing the football, and they, and again, the other thing is they're going to lean on Leonard Fournette a lot. I don't know how much production you get out of DJ Chark in year one, but he's somebody, he's a prospect that you're, I think is going to be big down the road. I, I, as long as he can put it all together, be more consistent. Again, he's extremely athletic. He can push the field. He can high point the ball. And based on where Pat was able to get him, I think that's just great value. Now, like I said, keep in mind, what you want to do in these later rounds is just stack up on value as best as you can. Injuries are going to happen in OTAs and minicamp and training camp. So always keep tabs on the free agent pool if you're in a dynasty draft or you know, a keeper league where you're still your team is able to make tr- transactions in the offseason, even in June and July. So just kind of keep an eye on that. And, and also keep in mind and, and keep tabs on what your or know what your the rules of your league are, how they how it breaks down. Is it a super flex league? Is it a one QB league? Is it two QBs where look quarterbacks are going to go a little bit early and their value is driven up a little bit? Is it two tight ends? Is it three receivers? So my advice is just know what type of league you're in. Know about the the positional breakdown so you can kind of curve your draft strategy off of that. But I, I can't stress it enough. I'm a, I'm a firm believer of look even if even if you have not fulfilled all of your positions in rounds 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 continue to 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 get as much value as, a, as you can particularly in a league like this where where it's very deep where you have a lot of 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 bench positions bench spots because look at running back and wide receiver, we especially at running back, we see all the injuries that happen. So you're going to want to have a security blanket there. So we're, when you can get value, certainly do it as best as you can. Okay, well, that's that's all I have for our, our startup dynasty recap. That's rounds one through 24. I hope everybody enjoyed that and got took a little bit away from that in terms of you know just some of these guys and where their value is where we were able to pick them and how that stacks up um you know with your other drafts and with some other rankings that you've been seeing so um again we're we're probably going to jump back in the next show that I want to do probably middle of next week um I want to get back to our second year guys so particularly the guys in the back half of the first round from 2017 that's O.J. Howard, that's David Njoku, that's Evan Ingram, the three tight ends that I really want to focus on and kind of give you some uh, a little bit of take of what I saw from them in 2017 and what their outlook projects to be in 2018, or at least what I, I project them to be in 2018. Um, so that'll probably be our next episode. I want to continue to do probably one to two episodes a week, um, two being the ambitious side of things, but definitely at least one episode per week you know, here through probably August, and then we'll start to ramp this thing up a little bit. So look, thank you to all my listeners. Again, I really appreciate your support. I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope that this, these episodes and and can be help, helpful and helpful towards uh, your, your upcoming drafts. I wish everybody the best of luck. Hit us up Twitter at pad the stats and um, yeah, everybody have a good weekend signing off. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>